0: What's up, what's up? Jared here. And once again, we're going to switch up the flow a little bit. We know that being on the digital front lines during this whole pandemic is causing a lot of stress for you. So the goal is to provide you a few minutes of empathy, relief, and answers each week as we navigate this outbreak together. That's what we're here for. We're a posse and we're here for each other. So take care of yourselves. We work in healthcare. We got this, y'all. I promise. So here's what's going to go down today. We're going to skip our typical segments, flavor of the Week, Rap Battle, and What's the 411. Today's episode is the third in a brand new series of on-demand video panel discussions about how healthcare marketing is changing right before our eyes and what to do about it. Not only now during the COVID-19 crisis, but looking ahead to the post-pandemic world. So today you'll hear me chatting with three of the industry's most forward-thinking influencers. Paul Griffiths from Perficient, Christy E. Bong from Orbita, and Chris Hempill from Symphony RM. They're going to do a digital deep dive on how the COVID-19 pandemic is accelerating MarTech. We're going to talk about what we're learning about the digital healthcare consumer experience during the pandemic, what we've seen with chatbots, voice, and CRM platforms during the crisis, and what lessons we need to keep with us about MarTech as we start pivoting to the post-pandemic world. Check this out, you can also watch this series on the Shift.Health YouTube channel. It's brought to you by Shift.Health, the infotainment media network for healthcare marketers to challenge their way of thinking and lead meaningful change. All right, you ready? Let's go. to so many vendors, so little time, expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about, it makes me want to shout, I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt, something everyone wants, like a secret decoder, something everyone needs, like your own baby Yoda, help me to choose, I can't afford to lose, isn't there a website that I really ought to use, martech.health, martech.health. Do yourself a favor, check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Bartech.Health, who you gonna pick today? Bartech.Health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. Founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer Ed Bennett, it's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. Hey, welcome to episode three of Now What? An on-demand panel discussion series about how the present and future of healthcare marketing are changing right before our eyes and what to do about it. The series is produced by the shift.health network, the infotainment media network for healthcare marketers to challenge their way of thinking and lead meaningful change. I'm Jared Johnson, digital business strategy consultant and host of the Healthcare Wrap podcast, where we wrap about challenging the status quo in healthcare marketing. With me today are Paul Griffiths, general manager for digital health solutions at Proficient, Chrissy Ebong, SVP of corporate strategy at Orbita, and Chris Hempel, director of client AI and ops at Symphony RM. Thank you all for joining the panel today. But in the first episode, I spoke with Paul Soblowski and John Marzano about how the COVID-19 pandemic is a catalyst for change in healthcare marketing and communications. And in the second episode, I spoke with Dan Dunlop and Haley Height on starting points for your post-pandemic plan. And in this episode, we are doing a digital deep dive We're looking at how COVID-19 is accelerating MarTech strategies for healthcare organizations. Let me set the stage again once real quickly about the new reality of healthcare marketing, because I don't think we can talk about this enough right now. We're all trying to discover it and realize it all at the same time. The fact is, healthcare marketing was already going through transformative changes, as you all know, over the last few years. Most of you were involved in them very deeply. Many of you are looking already to optimize your marketing efforts to address the rapidly changing expectations of consumers. And this likely involved the rise of your MarTech strategy, where you identified needs for your tech stack, the talent that was needed to manage that stack, and digital investment strategies around it. And then COVID-19 happened, and it has put those needs on a rocket ship and accelerated the rise of digital. And the chaos that's ensued, it has become clear that digital tools are not a side project, they're not a bolt-on strategy. They're not something for the junior team members to explore. It is and should be at the forefront of your engagement strategy, period. As every day has been just a pure whirlwind of exhaustion, it feels like it can be hard to know what lessons about digital to take with you moving forward. And that's why we've got our panel today. So we're going to talk about some of the goals of digital and lessons we've learned about the tools that are available. So let's dive right in here. Uh, Paul, I'm gonna start with you in this one and then we'll go with Christy and then Chris, if you don't mind. This first question is for you, Paul. Uh, What are we learning about the digital healthcare consumer experience from the pandemic? And what lessons do we need to remember following the pandemic?
1: Yeah, great question. I mean, I think the first and maybe the good news, because I think at this time it's helpful to start with good news, hospitals are the trusted resource. Any data, any stats that I've seen in this time, people are actually turning to hospitals and saying, help me understand what care options I have. That's really positive. I think second, it really, it really exposes the challenges of not having a, a unified view of the patient. That as we're seeing telemedicine and virtual visits and all these things being stood up in weeks, not months or years, that there's a kind of exposing these gaps that previously maybe organizations knew about. But understanding what a patient record looks like or how to communicate with patients or how to reach them is becoming really critical. So for most of our clients, who are hospitals and health plans uh, in the United States, all dealing with this at various ways, the first challenge that I think they're running into is what do I do now that my traditional forms of marketing and communications just aren't working right now? So I think that most healthcare organizations talk about a service line level or they're talking about really elective surgeries, those have been canceled, so marketing departments now not only don't have the inventory of patient resources that they used to have, they're in kind of a crisis communication mode and not being able to segment out and communicate clearly to patients is a challenge. We've been tracking and kind of blogging about what people should be doing every week. One of the most interesting ones that have come back from, cons- from our consumer research is, is just being clear on things like locations. Is a location open? Is it a healthy only location? meaning are you not seeing people who are being treated with COVID-19 because that's a challenge? Is it a testing facility or is it closed? And those seem like pretty basic pieces of communication. If you realize most hospitals are struggling to communicate directly with the populations that are affected, I think that's the challenge. And on an optimistic note, because again, I want to be optimistic in this time. So I think given that hospitals are trusted sources and, and now realizing that the hospitals don't really understand kind of unified patient view and can act on it consistently. I think the opportunity then is to think about how to use these digital marketing tools to segment and communicate with people. So some of our clients have shifted now to virtual visits because they were fortunate to be able to offer virtual visits now across different service lines. And they need to be able to communicate with specific groups. So for example, if a primary care practice is going is going virtual and now doing online appointments, being able to really communicate with the people who are, uh, the patients who are seen in that primary care practice or specifically who are seen by an individual doctor. So this idea that segmentation was really about driving, was really being used for kind of service line marketing or surgeries that were elective. Now it's, this has taught us that, that ability to have one-on-one personalized communications with patients is critical at times a radical change like this so i think that move from a, a nice to have to a must have to be able to kind of manage a what's now truly a, a digital healthcare landscape nice christy what do you think
2: yeah no first of all I, i'm just excited to listen to paul i work closely with his teams when i was at Cedar sinai and they do really a cutting edge work what's interesting is we are seeing funny convergence between what's typically the private commercial side of the healthcare world and the public entities and so in a public health crisis like what we are navigating now what you're seeing is some of the typical solutions from the private sector that maybe were focused on the digitally literate the folks who have access, who have access to the latest technologies we're recognizing that a lot of the most at risk individuals in the COVID-19 crisis are in fact the aging populations, many of whom still use just their landline or, you know, an analog phone, Uh, increasingly smart speaker adoption, which is interesting, having skipped other, other digital adoptions. And then also a lot of folks who may not have access to traditional digital tools. And so what we're trying to do is figure out for the provider systems, for the payers out there, how do you increase access to all of your constituents, all of your patients. And we're looking at that for offloading call centers, for providing content, and having the marketing and comms teams to really provide broad access content across channels. So whether that's you call in via phone to the hotline and you can ask questions to understand your risk, whether that's you have an outbound phone campaign or SMS campaign or a chat bot that you send to at-risk patient populations. And so to Paul's point about segmenting uh, by patient population, but then the ability, how do you democratize the ability to control that content to either a business user on the marketing team or a clinical user who's over a service line? So for example, if I'm over an oncology center of excellence, and my, especially my immunocompromised patients, are really at risk during this time. How do I control the content that goes out to them that may be different than you know the 30 year old who's who's feeling okay or has a cough but otherwise is pretty low risk? And so I think the opportunities around segmentation and around doing that through an omni channel approach are spectacular, um, the critical need now is how do you democratize the ability to control that content to the folks that are truly specialized in those areas so that you can reach all patients.
0: Great. Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, very interesting. These are things that we just have to keep thinking about. Uh, Chris, what do you think?
3: like the points that, that you guys have uh, both made and what really stands out. Uh, I want to go back to something Paul said about uh, patients and consumers seeing their healthcare providers as the, uh, the most important contact in their market. There's Basically, there's a lot of trust in those communications. And when you go into, if you start looking at this as a way to take a new approach to segment accordingly, to make sure that the right communications are going to the right people. And at the same time, the flip side of the reverse of that is that the wrong communications don't go out to people that don't need them. That's a path to start helping marketing regain trust in communities. So I think it's very important to think about which communications go to the right people, which services are online and offline, and how basically marketers can make sure that like, communication is, uh, is accurate on, basically the, for capacity availability. What, what I was really trying to get at is that as services go offline and as uh, hospitals have to redirect different inpatient services or outpatient services to, to different uh, modalities, in the, uh, the finance department, the CFO is still being tasked with maintaining cash flow well, at the same time, there's switches and operations and things like that, and ultimately, that segmentation ability and uh, digital ability to monitor capacity across the healthcare enterprise. Ultimately, the idea there would be to making sure that we're directing the communications accordingly based on not only the patient need, but also what's available from the hospital.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. And we tend to just think of one of those or the other, it seems like. I mean, definitely in my client-side experience, we, we would tend to think one or the other. We wouldn't think about, what we needed and what's available and really to make like there just wasn't much, uh, much QA going on, I guess, in the whole process. And so, yeah, it was always interesting. All right. Next question. Uh, Christy, uh, you're up first on this one. Uh, then we'll do Chris and then Paul. So Christy, what have you seen with chat box and voice in response to the outbreak and what do we need to keep in mind about those technologies in particular as the pandemic subsides?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, on the, to go with Paul's optimism, I think we've seen broad deployments of chatbots across the industry in, at a rapid pace, which is something none of us expected even a month or two ago. So that's fantastic. I think folks are familiar with the, t- with the technology. It's easy to use. I think the challenge that a lot of providers and payers and other healthcare frontline folks are, are seeing is that when you make these investments, if you're investing in a point solution up front, are you going to end up with a glut of point solutions down the road? And so one of the challenges, and we saw this with electronic health records, right? We, we've seen this in every industry where some of the early adoption is a point solution here or there, and that's because they solve specific problems. So that's good, it means there's a market demand and there's buyers out there for them. The challenge is, once you start investing in, you've got a chat bot for your website, you've got a chat bot for your oncology center, you're you know using an SMS tool for another post-acute program. And so, It wouldn't be surprising to me if CIOs are facing the same conundrum that they faced with other digital technologies in the last 10 to 15 years and ultimately started looking towards what are the true platforms that are scalable. So you're making a future-proof investment as you go. And the challenge right now is you don't have the privilege of tons of diligence, right? Technical diligence and, and what have you. When you're trying to get something up and running really quickly to manage this crazy crisis. And so I think that's where the disciplined buyers are going to continue to lead the marketplace, show those perspectives, looking at who's able to really provide that flexibility and extensibility across the enterprise. And to meet, as I mentioned earlier, the needs of diverse patient populations, regardless of whether, you know, is my 92-year-old physician grandfather going to go to a website to do a chat bot? Probably not. But if you send him an outbound phone call, or ironically, he can engage with an Alexa skill, that's he's very amenable to those things, and so we need to be keeping that in mind as we extend to meet the needs of all of those patient populations.
3: Great, Chris, what do you think? I think the uh, the like the the chatbots that have uh, come online. Like it's, it's just really awesome to see everybody uh, responding so fast and providing tools available for for those needs. And continuing down that path as people get comfortable and get adjusted to using chatbots. I'd actually like to see a little bit more integration chatbots into back-end records. One thing that uh, comes to mind is that what chatbots are, are usually tasked to do is what they're concerned with is monitoring what somebody's intent is when they're doing a communication and ultimately what entities in that, what can actually be done about that intent. So if we're looking at chatbots as a, like we have patient records, we have other things that we're, we're accessing online. If we're looking at chatbots as another path into a personalized care experience, then when people have questions about COVID 19, and I've seen a bunch of these chatbots, and a lot of it is based on kind of like decision trees if this, then that, if this, then that, if this, then that over and over again. But we can start reducing the number of questions that we're asking for all kinds of things outside of just COVID 19. But all kinds of things, if we're making it contextual based on the patient and applying some intelligence there, then it reduces the amount of back and forth that they're having to do with the chatbot, with the IVR system, or what have you. And ultimately, as people are being acclimated to this, and this could be kind of a prime moment, we could start providing more of a service that way. Excellent.
1: Paul, what's your take? From a chatbot perspective, we've had clients who, who've been using them for a while, and, and most their role is externally advising them and making sure that we're, we're building comprehensive strategies and solutions for them. I think there's three different types of chatbots, and it's interesting watching the technology drive the usage, because I think everyone is scrambling to figure out how to communicate this. And I think the, the three different really modes of chatbot, there are navigational chatbots, help me find something on this website, help me, help me do this better, I don't have time, that's really kind of trying to get people to the point of a decision. So those are like the assessment chatbots. We stood up one in partnership with a company, Drift, who does conversational chatbots and it was largely that decision tree you're talking about. There are kind of simple navigational ones. There are call center or customer service chatbots where you're starting a conversation and then if you need to, you can kind of kick it up to a a phone line. Um, Those require staffing and call center augments. So those are a little bit more challenging, but we've seen some people execute on those. Notably, Salesforce gave away some uh, licenses for its for its cloud service, uh, for its Service Cloud and in Help Cloud to be able to help uh, staff. That. There's an awareness that it's creating kind of strains on the call center. And the third is kind of medical triage, where you are now trying to take medically accurate information and have some something backed by an ICD ICD-10 ICD- code. Microsoft Health Bot was most notable with that, so some clients launching that. And I think all three of those, those are three very different chatbots and you probably think of different tools behind them and they've all kind of converged with COVID. So I think what has happened is like, a crisis has, has forced issues of uh, navigation. So largely our, our assessment was realizing that hospitals just need to be able to tell people where to go and that information is changing on a daily basis. So there is a navigational component. There's a call center component. Uh, part of the reason why I think people were desperate to get them launched is we had clients who had 300 calls you know, in a queue when the virus started to hit their affected regions. And the third, the kind of medically accurate is, now everyone's trying to figure out how do I, how do I get people to just stay home or not try to engage in the healthcare system uh, who are well. And so what's interesting about this crisis, it's kind of pushed those three different ways of thinking about how to engage with someone through these technologies and really sped up the maturity of that. Now we need to think about that. So we've been now tracking something like SMS or two-way communications through technologies like Twilio where you're now talking about interoperability and seeing that, you know, you could think about your website and your mobile app and your CRM and all that separately. And now what's happening is you need to think about them all consistently across the enterprise. And that requires a strategic understanding as well as a technical understanding. And I think that kind of system-wide approach is, is what's going to happen when everyone kind of, you know, takes a deep breath. People stood up what they could, the storm is coming and then after the storm, You're going to see a lot of organizations take stock of what they have and decide, okay, this really worked for us. We got to keep this and this system did not. And there's going to be a lot of changes, you know, once I think the COVID crisis is beyond us because these technologies, which some of which promise great results, I think now are having to deliver it. So it'll be a very interesting time after that.
0: I can definitely see that. So once again, you're tuned into Now What? An on-demand panel discussion series about how the present and future of healthcare marketing are changing right before our eyes and what to do about it. This series is produced by the shift.health network, the infotainment media network for healthcare marketers to change their way of thinking and lead meaningful change. I'm here with Paul Griffiths, Christy Ebong, and Chris Hempill. Chris, we're gonna start with you on this one. What about CRM? So how does that play into things, right? So what have we learned about CRM platforms during the crisis? And how should this affect our CRM strategy after the pandemic?
3: The way I look at CRMs is that, I mean, it's a technology that's been around for a very long time and uh, then kind of made a headway into healthcare in the the late 2000s. But fundamentally, the, the concept of having a system of record that unifies information from EMR systems, from consumer data systems, and from other systems, having a unified view of the patient has been something that's been in place for a very long time. The question then where any kind of CRM vendor or any kind of data vendor it, where they're test is uh, how resilient are they to changes like once you have a unified view of the patient the, the question then becomes, becomes, what do you do? I know I have all this information about this particular patient. I have like as soon as somebody, the call center, I have uh, their entire history that is in our marketing automation system, those interactions, the interactions that they've had with EMR. But at some point it becomes so much data and uh, so much information overload that people at the call center, people like end users at the call center, people who are making decisions on campaigns, people who are making decisions on what kind of communications to send out for things like revenue cycling collections, that all becomes a, a very confusing world, even with the unified view of the patient. So CRM, I kind of look at, look at that as an endpoint of facilitate some kind of interaction. So you have uh, your CRM type players like Microsoft Dynamics and Salesforce that facilitate a lot of call center interactions or access to, uh, access to data. And you have the, like even a marketing automation system. I consider that largely in that CRM uh, wheelhouse because it's still taking data on uh, patients and consumers and helping to make decisions on what kind of campaigns to involve people in or what kind of communications to send out. When we have a crisis like this, we have all this data in one place. We have these unified views. But the real intelligence, like what's what's important now about a CRM is like it's well-established, it's a technology that's, that's existed for a long time. But the question is, how do we prioritize our outreach? Point I was making earlier, when services are being shut down and other services are are being reprioritized, how do we make sure that we're safely getting the right people To the right service lines. There's all kinds of information, all kinds of interaction data that says this person's more likely to respond to a text message related to to this topic, or this person doesn't need communication on this topic, but they do need their preferences, a phone call on this topic. So the question that marketers or anybody who's engaging with the CRM might have about what they're wanting to do, what they want the technology to do, is to be resilient to, to different types of change. So, perfect example is uh, with the onset of COVID-19, we started seeing new procedure codes and ICD-10 codes that are related to that particular illness. That means that, like, we're, when we're talking about a brand new code, that means that there's no prior data, there's no machine learning model or anything like that already developed. It's really a question of how, how quickly can our data vendor get us access to, to understanding how to use these codes and how, how to make sure that we're, we're identifying the right patients. In that scenario, you might have the technology there. You might have uh, the the latest and greatest features and all that. But when it comes to the intelligence layer with the CRM, especially in healthcare, you're going for the like you're going for the capabilities. You're going for the outreach capabilities. But also, it's important to consider that the partner that you're working with has clinical expertise that's that's aligned with the data science team or aligned with their data management team, so that outreach and communications and so that patient prioritization is based on real best practices for clinically validated data. So the CRM I kind of lean more like the technologies there and exist and calls it that there's it's in place in all kinds of different workflows but the important part that I consider is 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 mainly like is do you have a mechanism in place is there data science in place and is there clinical expertise among the data science team to make sure that you're truly sending relevant communications, especially when it's something so critical as, as COVID nineteen.
0: I like how you thought and focused on the being relevant and not just using it because we got it and, and understanding truly where the power of it is. Paul, what's your take on on CRM and, and lessons learned from the crisis?
1: Yeah, I used to um, I used to have a a pretty good talk track on the challenges that digital healthcare posed for hospitals. That if you think about how consumers interact and how we interact, we're used to technology that's easy, we're used to technology that is kind of sticky, and we're used to technology that's pervasive. Meaning when I use an app on my phone, something like Google Maps, and I switch to my desktop, it remembers who I am, it has kind of preloaded some of the interactions and some of the routes that I've taken, and it's kind of anticipating my next need. And I used to talk about that by contrast of how hospitals didn't make it easy to see care. It was challenging to lose information so they weren't weren't trying to kind of build an experience. And it wasn't always on or always available. And I think the thing that has happened that I don't expect to change is virtual visits and telemedicine. I think we have fundamentally shifted the way that hospitals and physicians can interact with patients. And I think the whole care model which has been, there's been resistance to disruption, has now been thoroughly disrupted. And if I play that out into the power of something like a CRM tool, where you're really getting the right message to the right patient at the right time, and you have the ability to close that loop now with an on-demand visit, and I'm not just talking about urgent care, I think the model for delivering health in a digital way is, is really being rethought live every day now. I think you're going to find that a lot of things that we felt like required office visits maybe don't. And when you get to that level of maturity so quickly, then a tool like a CRM where you're looking at data and you're trying to understand what treatment options a patient should follow, and now you can deliver that care without them having to sign up or wait, and you can start to push that. I think that's going to be really transformative. And again, sorry to be an optimist on the call. I think coming out of that, that will actually help hospitals be able to manage chronic care conditions at a distance in a way that they just couldn't conceive of before. So I think that this, again, this talk that I used to give about how consumers had one expectations and hospitals really, really struggling to deliver it. I think that, I think the hospital systems are kind of being forced to catch up right now in real time. And I think we're going to learn an awful lot about how much better we can deliver care virtually. Love it.
0: All right, Christy, help us uh, wrap up here on the CRM note. What's your take?
2: It's interesting. There was a word that jumped out at me that both Chris and Paul uh, use in that word is context. And I think when you think about healthcare, we so often immediately shift to all things medical and all things complex. And the reality is that a lot of the delivery of healthcare is really about aligning the value chain for what's the benefit to the consumer or the patient with what value they're getting out of it. So say for example you're going through a digital experience, chatbot, voice bot, you know, analog phone, mobile, what have you. And you solicit information from that patient. And then maybe the CRM's capturing that on the back end, but patients are very amenable to giving information. We do it all the time with Google search. We ask Google questions about some of our most private, personal situations, we research information, because we know we're gonna get something in return. And so as we design conversational experiences to provide value to patients, to be able to source information from them, but then also retain context and provide them directionality. Where do I go to get treated? When do I need to be seen? What do I do at home to take care of myself? When, do I, when should I worry? How do I access a video visit? And so those types of access issues, if I retain that context. If we can, as we design these interactions and these conversational experiences with patients, we don't need to get into the medical soap notes of a provider to immediately provide value. If I know the patient's symptoms or a reason for a visit or the patient will tell me, here's what I'm struggling with, or I don't know whether I should come into the clinic if I have this cough or right now it's too dangerous for me to come in. And so I need to take care of myself at home. And, oh, you're going to check in on me to see if my symptoms get worse. That's fantastic. And so I think that's really the future is identifying simplicity and elegance in what we can do. And so I'm super excited about that because I think now that we're having widespread adoption out of necessity, of these digital tools, folks are gonna start to really understand them. And so there won't be a disconnect now between that consumer front end in the experience and then that medical care delivery on the back end.
0: I love it. All, all of these thoughts and I, I appreciate all of them. All the, th- this is just to round out our perspective and help us all realize there's a lot of questions that we're all trying to answer at the same time. And I think even just some of the key words of context, of relevance, of trust, of uh, experience, uh, several of those words that I heard of each of you Sharing at various points uh, during the conversation are very helpful and valuable just to give us some some focus points to start off with and realizing that that these are journeys that we're going to be going on for a long time. So I want to thank each of you, Chris, Christy, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this series is produced by the Shift.health Network, the infotainment media network for healthcare marketers to challenge the way of thinking and lead meaningful change. Thank you for joining us. I need a dime. I ain't faking a bump. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Cause it's pretty legit. Hey, everyone. One quick note. Go check out the video series. It's called Now What? And you can find it by searching on YouTube for shift.health. Don't forget to join the posse. Listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Rap is an Altera digital production and a member of the shift.health network. So on behalf of Christy, Paul, and Chris, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.